In the name of the Creator, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. We're glad that you've come here this morning virtually to join us in worship. I'm Pastor John White, and I'll be assisting my colleague, the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, as we lead worship this morning. Joining us is our talented musical director, Dr. Julia Brown, our wonderful cantor, Professor Scott Bosher, and the person you never see who keeps us running and on the air, Pat McGuire. Pat, you're back there. Thank you very much. I have some good news that we have been waiting to announce for quite some time. The COVID rate in Kent County now, the rolling seven-day average, is three infections per 100,000 people. We are going to begin, again, our phased reopening of the church. The policy has not yet been sent by, set by council. I'll be meeting with them later this month uh, to finalize the policy. But our plan is to start with our youth. They will be given the narthex and the chapel. We'll have midweek inside the church in the narthex and chapel. And we will have Sunday evening elevate in the church in the narthex and chapel. We will also be looking at a way to bring our small group Bible studies into the chapel. Um, we'll sanitize when we come in. We'll wipe everything down before we leave. Uh, and uh, the next group will come in. And uh, hopefully all this is going to work. And then throughout Lent, beginning this Friday, we are going to open the sanctuary, the last ten rows, for an hour each Friday and an hour each Tuesday. The times will be determined. Please look at the web page for, for the times that will be available. We will open the last ten rows for silent meditation. The sanctuary is roped off. There is a pew between every pew where somebody will be seated. We will allow up to 25 people to come in. You may stay for the entire hour. You may come in and sit for two or three minutes if that's what you want. We are so excited about getting people back into our church. On Easter Sunday, we are planning a live outdoor service for our early service. We will have a taped uh, high service at 1030 that service will have all kinds of music, all the things that you're used to at Mayflower. Uh, Julia and Scott have been working on that. Uh, lots of taping going on, very time intensive. We owe them a lot. It's going to be a beautiful service. The Sunday after Easter, we hope to open those back ten rows for 25 worshipers each Sunday. And as the rate goes down, the vaccinations go up. We hope to increase that to 50 and then eventually get our church reopened with our Sunday schools, nurseries, and all the services. We all want all the staff. We want you to be here so badly. We miss you. This is a promising start. Now, it could go awry. It did this past fall when the COVID rate started spiking. 
But we didn't have vaccines then, and we didn't have an infection rate like we have now, which is so low. So let's pray that this plan works. Another great announcement, due to the generosity of our members, I'm pleased to announce that our outreach giving for 2021 is moving from 4%, our COVID budget, to 10%. The outreach committee is planning conservatively. When we looked at our gifts, uh, we'll have future announcements about this, but we have raised it to 10%. 92% of our pledges are in, and our projected 2021 budget is set, and we're striving to get our outreach giving back to 15%. I'd like to mention that the search committee is in the process of examining material and interviewing four potential candidates for the senior minister's position. Please keep the committee and these candidates in your prayers. Let's also pray that we call a person of leadership and vision who can help us renew our membership at the termination of this horrible pandemic. Ash Wednesday is coming in a few days. We were hoping to conduct a brief outdoor service, but the way the temperature looks, I don't think that's going to be possible. Uh, the worst case scenario is what we're planning on right now. Ruth and I will be on the front, the front area of the church at 5.30 on Wednesday. You are invited to drive up the driveway to stop your car one family at a time and step forward for the imposition of ashes. We will wear a glove when we impose the ashes, and we will take that glove off and change it when the next person or next family comes forward. Ash Wednesday is also a time, reach down for my props, Ash Wednesday is also a time when we're going to start a church-wide Bible study called Immerse. Please contact the church if you would like to order one of the books. We have a book specifically for children. We also have a book designed for families so you can study the Bible together. And we have the main book for older children and adults. We will begin by studying the New Testament. Look for details on our website and we will kick that off on Ash Wednesday. We hope to be broadcasting, live streaming, a um, study, somebody hosting a study every Wednesday around noon. More will be coming about that. Beginning on Monday, February 15th, that's tomorrow, we will be offering a virtual Lenten music and meditation experience called Art, Art Song in the Atrium. Each week, we will offer beautiful music, art, and devotional materials. Please check our website and the YouTube channel. To share more about this and other music notes, please welcome Dr. Julia Brown. Thank you, Jonathan. As Jonathan just mentioned, tomorrow will be the first of weekly uh, YouTube postings from our music program here. 
Um, tomorrow's piece is uh, posted in preparation for Ash Wednesday. So uh, I think it's posted at 7 a.m. So as soon as you wake up, you can uh, go and look for that. It, uh, we had a quintet in the atrium last Sunday recording one of the most glorious choral works ever written. Gregorio Allegri from the 1500s worked for the popes in Rome, and uh, he has this setting of Psalm 51, Lord have mercy on me. Um, uh, we have also prepared a devotional that you can find on our website starting tomorrow. Um, the video uh, consists of a reading and then some music. So tomorrow, Scott, uh, you'll find Scott reading Malcolm Guide's response to Psalm 51, and then you'll hear the quintet singing this wonderful choral music. So um, I hope that you will join us weekly in um, finding and listening and being inspired uh, by this wonderful music and these readings. Thank you, Julia. It's Sunday morning, and it's time for worship. It's Sunday morning, and it's time for comfort. It's Sunday morning. We long for you to be here, but we're glad you're watching. It's Sunday morning. We're the Congregationalist. And everybody's welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. And now let's center our thoughts and minds and hearts on the holy. We're called to worship. Let us worship in spirit and truth. silence and loving presence. 
Yet, like Elijah of old, we also see a God of purifying flames ascending on chariots of fire. The Mighty One, the Lord our God, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down of the, of the same. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Come, Christians, let us gather and proclaim the wonders of the Lord our God. glory, your glory, 
in the face of Jesus Christ, whose compassion illuminates the world. Transfigure our hearts into a likeness of the love of Christ, who renewed our humanity so that we may share in his divinity through the power of all your mighty names. Amen. Scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Listen for the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for he was terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain... Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
second reading comes from 2 Corinthians, verses 17 through 18. St. Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, on this Transfiguration Sunday, help us change our perspective. Help us to see you more clearly and to be transformed in the process. May we be a changed people, ready to shine with your glory. We pray for you to prepare us for Lent and the anticipation of Easter. Amen. In 1987... Frank White published a book titled The Overview Effect. He coined this term, overview effect, to describe the cognitive shift in awareness that results from the experience of viewing Earth from orbit or the moon. This occurrence of seeing firsthand the reality of the Earth in space which is immediately understood to be a tiny, fragile ball of life shielded and nourished by a paper-thin atmosphere. This is tremendously significant. From space, national boundaries vanish, the conflicts that divide people become less important, and the need to create a planetary society with the united will to protect our Earth becomes both obvious and imperative. Astronauts and space travelers who exhibit the overview effect speak of being overwhelmed with a feeling of total unity and oneness. 
Perhaps this is a God's eye view of our world. But it's as if these individuals have had a unique and important epiphany. An epiphany is defined as a sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. Or an intuitive grasp of reality through something, like an event. Or an illuminating discovery, realization, or disclosure. Perhaps in a layperson's term, you could say an epiphany is an aha moment. Epiphany, as defined by the historic Christian church, is the celebration of the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, as represented by the Magi, or the three wise men. That was written about in Matthew chapter 2. The Magi were the astronomers and the spiritualists of the ancient world, and they acknowledged the Christ child as special and traveled to worship him, recognizing his divinity. Well, since the Magi were outside of the Jewish tradition, there's cause to celebrate the epiphany that, aha, Christ came for all of us. Jews, Gentiles, astronomers, astrologers, spiritualists, all of us. Praise God. In the calendar of church seasons, today marks the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany. This church season of Epiphany is the time after Advent and Christmas, but before Ash Wednesday and the start of our 40-day Lenten season of introspection as we anticipate Easter. So here we find ourselves in between seasons. This Sunday is designated as Transfiguration Sunday. So we're in between these two seasons for Christians, and we're given this bizarre tale of transfiguration, a narrative one pastor dubbed Sparkly Jesus and the Unexpected Visitors. There's kind of a superhero quality to our text this morning from the book of Mark. We have a glowing outfit, dazzling lights, ghost-like figures appearing, a booming voice from the crowds, and a band of disciples complicit in a mission. It's really a weird story. But it must be important because it's found in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Mark is an insistent and dramatic storyteller. He simply states that Jesus was transfigured before them and then goes on to share kind of a laundry tip, something about bleach. New Testament professor Anmi Lee writes about the power of Mark's gospel for us today. She says, Mark isn't interested in just telling us about the story of Jesus. Mark is interested in relating Jesus' story to us. The story that Mark communicates isn't some story that happened somewhere, sometime, a long time ago. No, it's a story that's relevant to us today. It's a story that makes a claim on our lives. Is Mark telling us that Jesus was transfigured and so are we? Transfigured is a strange word, uh, not one we use on a regular basis but it has such a lovely definition. It's a verb that means to transform into something more beautiful or elevated. Are we being invited to be transformed into something more beautiful or elevated? 
let's pause here momentarily and look at what Peter is doing in this story. I often feel like I can relate to Peter. He's so reactionary and passionate and so utterly human. But here Peter's an eyewitness to this glorious, shimmery vision. And when Moses and Elijah show up, I mean, how unexpected that would have been. Peter decides to spontaneously become some kind of construction manager. Rabbi, he says, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He has just witnessed Jesus literally becoming something more beautiful and elevated, and his reaction is to start a craft project? What's going on here? Peter's reaction to build dwellings could be a nod to the Jewish festival of booths, which some connected, based on the prophet Zechariah, to a time when God would usher in a new age. So perhaps Peter has this in mind. Perhaps Peter is so excited and the moment is so precious that he wants to savor it. Like the ultimate hosting trick. You bring out coffee and dessert, maybe some more drinks, so people will linger and the party can continue. But maybe Peter's busyness is a manifestation of his discomfort in this fantastic, superhero, crazy, blazing glory. Is it too much for Peter? Certainly, Mark notes in verse 6 that he was terrified. In his excitement, fear, and passion, does Peter react by wanting to make religious shrines? Would Peter rather contain and control this experience than open his arms to it? Does Peter take the glorious manifestation of the Messiah and try to put it in a box? Let's be clear. Glory can be very scary. And actually, the process of transformation can be very scary. So let's take a look at our own experience here at Mayflower. On March 12th of last year, almost one year ago, the Mayflower staff met in the church library for an emergency staff meeting. The announcement was imminent that the schools were canceling classes and activities And we were heading into a lockdown. Of course, we didn't know what this was or how it was going to work, how we would navigate these strange days. We sat around the conference table in positions that we all knew well and had to face the realization that we were being ushered into an unknown season. There were very practical, strategic steps to consider, but also an element of fear. We hadn't been here before. We were witnessing that the world, in a sense, was closing. And as a community of faith named after a boat, we were in uncharted water. Perhaps you can take yourself back to that time last year, when we didn't know what we didn't know. And sometimes the questions seemed scarier than the answers. When terms like shelter in place and masking and social distancing were novel, they were new. When we thought, This will all be over in the summer when the temperatures are warmer. In response to our collective sense of foreboding that day, I grabbed a copy of a poem titled Pandemic 
that a friend had forwarded to me. I shared it with the staff, and I'd like to read it again now. Pandemic by Lynn Unger. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise the world your love, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Amen. Promise the world your love. What a profound phrase. It reminds me of the overview effect. We are all connected. Surely that has become clear. Unity and oneness are visible and imperative. Yet what has happened over this last year? Has fear reared its ugly head? Have we tried to build boxes to control our fear? Have we turned this Mayflower structure into an idol of religion? On March 12th, I was told not to come into my office again, as were most of the staff, with no end to this mandate in sight. The next time I was allowed in the building was to preach the Sunday sermon on May 17th. Although I may have snuck in a few times to get some books and study materials. Hours after my sermon on May 17th, the staff received a group text followed by a church-wide email that Mark and Lynn had accepted positions at another church and were leaving. Let's be honest about the disorientation of pandemic and leadership change. This is profound. And... It's an opportunity for transfiguration. This is an invitation to be transformed into something more beautiful or elevated. Yes, it is scary, but think of Jesus on that mountain with the prophets and his three disciples. He glowed with radiance, and the voice of God from a cloud declared, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. The Son of the Most High revealed in the midst of debilitating fear and the Most High commanding, listen to him. Are we listening? We are at a critical time in the life of the church, and we are in an interesting season in the church calendar, a bridge space, a liminal space. What are we going to do with it? 
Are we going to cling to our structure? Are we going to try to build temples around what we find comfortable? Or is this a divine invitation for transformation? Do we reach out our heart? Reach out our words? Reach out all the tendrils of compassion? What might this look like? Theologian Walter Brueggemann writes, I, as a Bible teacher, believe that any serious crisis is a summons for us to reread the Bible afresh. Perhaps we commit to immerse ourselves in the reading of the entire New Testament for the next 16 weeks. Perhaps we pledge to pray for the pastoral search committee and our next leader every day. Listen to him is an interesting instruction. Perhaps for us it's a reminder to not be swayed by friends, family members, our chosen news source, political pundits and the like. To not be swayed by circumstances and suffering and the opinions of others. But to focus on the voice of the Savior broadcasting right into our spirits. Consider Moses and Elijah who pop up in the transfiguration story Both men had their own epiphany moments, epiphany experiences in the Old Testament, occurring at times of great difficulty. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is also anticipating the difficult times to come. When we find ourselves in quarantine, waiting for a vaccine, praying for church reopening, craving the opportunity to hug our loved ones again, We are joining a long line of ancestors with troubles. Perhaps this transfiguration trio is an encouragement to hang in there when times are difficult. Jesus, God incarnate, is so close. God is knowable. God wants a relationship with us. God is invested. And this promise and hope is what we take into the season of Lent. Can we look for ways to focus our fears, to face our fears, by focusing on the glory of a Messiah whose clothes were dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them? Theologian Jennifer Benjamin Brooks writes, What is known in the present is often revealed in greater detail in the future. This is the reality of the transfiguration. The glow that marked the change in Jesus was the light that would change humanity for all time. It offers a glorious future to all who trust in the glory that is yet to be revealed. The transfiguration is a summons to look at what's happening around us from a different angle, a new perspective. According to Professor Thomas G. Long, what gets transfigured is not Jesus, but our perception of him. Our vision changes. We see Jesus for real. And one thing we see is how beloved by God Jesus is. Already, Jesus has suffered and been misunderstood, rejected, and exhausted. But he is beloved, as are we. We are in unprecedented times, facing challenges we could never have imagined. And we are loved. The Spirit is in us. There is freedom there. As we read this morning from 2 Corinthians When we see the glory of God, we are transformed. Aha. 
Astronaut Nicole Stott was interviewed about the overview effect. She speaks of being overwhelmed by how beautiful the earth really is. This dynamic, alive place you see glowing all the time. The earth is glowing with the love of a glorious Savior. May this be the message poured into our hearts as we proceed from Epiphany to Lent. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. thank you. We thank you at this time for your gifts. You have allowed Mayflower to continue worship. You allow us to come into your homes or other places where you're viewing this. We thank you that you have allowed worship and ministry to continue.
have not faith to seek him, Christ himself will draw us near. Deep abiding rays of mercy cast their light on to you a portion of what you have given us. Use these gifts, we ask you, to work for your glory in this church, in this community, in this region, and in this world. Amen.
Let us join our hearts together. Please take a moment to say aloud or to meditate in silence on the names of people you love, on the issues that you care about, and other people in need. Amen. And now let us pray together. O God, you know our needs before we ask. And your Holy Spirit interprets our thoughts and words with a beauty beyond our imagination. Look upon us, we pray, in this time of uncertainty. This time when our building is closed. This time when we cannot gather together with friends and loved ones this time of pandemic. We thank you for the promise of vaccination and the ceaseless self-sacrificing work of medical personnel, firefighters, police officers, janitors, teachers, grocery clerks, waitresses, waiters, and essential workers who keep our society function, who care for us, who serve us, and who, in many cases, have given their lives for us. We ask a special blessing on research scientists who search for effective vaccines, the truck drivers who deliver the drugs, the logistical workers who distribute supplies and the people who administer life-saving microbes into our bodies. For all these, Lord, we ask your blessing. And on this Sunday, when we remember the transfiguration of our Lord, we ask that you transform us into the creatures who can experience the beauty and peace of your presence. Take us, we pray, to the Mount Summit with Peter, James, and John. Transfigure our hearts to allow us to see the law and the prophets come together in the Christ. The Christ you send to all. Turn us from all anger and arrogance. From harsh words and shattered relationships from all violence and our desire for social and political power. Help us to stand on the holy mountain like a child in awe and wonder at the power and pervasiveness of your glorious love. O Lord, hear our prayer. And Christ incarnate word, eternal love revealed in time, come make your home within our hearts, that we may dwell in light sublime. 
Your glory shone at Jordan's stream, the font where we were born anew. Attune your church to know you near, illumine all we say and do. There is economic uncertainty in our nation. As Isaiah said so long ago, comfort, oh comfort my people. Strengthen the people in this congregation who are worried about meeting financial obligations, who fear that they cannot provide food for their families, who struggle with depression, who struggle with drugs and alcohol to avoid anxiety, and to all who feel helpless. Empower our church to return to our outreach goal, to seek to do good in international and national missions, even as we feed the hungry at Degaget, provide warmth and comfort at Mel Trotter and the Guiding Light Mission, serve on boards like the Salvation Army, shelter the homeless and IHN, and feed and clothe those in need with our multiple donation drives. Transfigure our hearts on the holy mountain so that we can be the people you already know us to be. O oh God, whose ways are not our ways and whose thoughts are not our thoughts, hear our prayer. O light of nations, fill the earth, our faith and hope and love renew. Come lead the peoples to your peace, as stars once led the way to you. And hear when we pray the words of Jesus, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, 
benediction today, I offer these words. Mayflower, as we sail into Lent in the next season of our spiritual journey, let us glow with the transfigured radiance of Christ and let us be transformed into a community more beautiful and elevated than ever before. Amen. Amen.